Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Opaluski. How are you today, John? Jim, I'm doing well. Good to be with you. Good, good, good. I'm excited about today. Uh, as we mentioned last week, today, podcast number 94, we're dealing with the issue of the art of pivoting. I think it's interesting you didn't say the science of or the, uh, the mathematical formula to, you're calling this art, which, which means there's some interpretive um, license here. That's right. So why don't you get into it today? Tell us what we're going to be talking about. Okay. So Jim, one of the hardest things uh, to do for most lead pastors is to separate from work. Yeah. Um, pivoting from their professional life to their private life. And I don't know that just because pastors tell me that. I know that from personal experience <laughs> uh, that when I was a lead pastor, I had to work really hard at shutting off work uh, yeah. once I got home. Uh, Jim, how about you? Have you, have you experienced oh, that? Oh, yeah. Well, and, and my wife and I, we function together leading the church. So mm. one of the things we have to guard against is that we're you know, kind of like when you raise the kids and the kids are gone and you don't know each other, our kids are gone, but the church is kind of our, our child, if you will, it's a bad analogy, but mm-hmm. you understand. And I, yeah, we have to be careful that when we go on date nights. We're not talking about what happened in a meeting or what's, you know, the vision is for the future. We're just hearing each other's hearts and being a married couple. So yeah, it, it is, it is very hard. Yeah. Uh, Barna did a, an amazing uh, research study almost, well, yeah, about four years ago now. I can't believe this study is four years old. Yeah. And they researched, uh, studied 14,000 Protestant lead pastors in the United States. And one of the, one of the uh, outcomes of that was that 37% of lead pastors uh, were at medium to high risk of burnout. Yeah. Um, and, and Barna had a fresh report from 2020 that said 50, 50% of pastors are suffering with depression in, in 2020. And, and so you know, many of the, the failures that we have seen, uh, we've read about, you know, either uh, some sort of uh, affair or embezzlement or heavy handed leadership, you know, that was just uh, authoritarian and really damaging. You know, Jim, many of those can be traced to exhaustion. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I've lost count, really, of the number of talented leaders who have done incredibly stupid things simply because they didn't, they, they were tired. Yeah. And, and one of the key contributors, contributors to exhaustion is this inability or this, well, maybe it's not inability, maybe it's an unwillingness yeah. uh, to pivot. You know, yeah. this, devious, this devious idea that a pastor always has to be on, you know, he always has to be uh, ready at any moment. And, uh, um, I think it's devilish. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that mows the, the lawn in a suit and tie yeah, it has a, has a misunderstanding <laughs> uh, about stuff. Yeah. You know, I, it's funny, our souls, it was our body and we said, Hey, you need to breathe every once in a while, or you won't feel right. Mm-hmm. And when you get desperate for air, you'll knock over an old lady to get to the window. You'll, you'll do, you'll do terribly stupid things, things you wouldn't normally do when you're desperate for that next breath of air. Yeah. Same thing with our soul, right? If we don't yeah. inhale and exhale, if we don't respirate our soul through recreation and devotion and relationships. Certainly, eventually, we do really dumb things to get anything we would call air, which 
we go back to that behavior. They're really dumb right. things that, so you can't say, well, that person was dumb. It's like, no, that person was desperate. And all yeah, of us bro. have the capacity to be desperate if we don't inhale and exhale appropriately, That's physically, right. emotionally, and spiritually. Desperation for something that brings me a dopamine rush, you know, yeah. something that, that gives me some serotonin uplift. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all vulnerable to it. We're all addicted right. to, to the right things, to food, to recreation, to oxygen. Those right. are good addictions, but we have to feed them or we'll do what addicts do, which is destroy relationships and steal and covet. And yeah, absolutely. And, and it scares me when I, when I find myself thinking that'll never happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful. Right. Or when I hear other leaders say that'll never happen to me, it, it, it just frightens me because we've got so much history yeah. of, of observing where it did happen. Yeah. And many, many times, Jim, it was because there was no there was no distinction between work and home. You know, I said in our in pod 93, which was our last pod, that our favorite passage of scripture seemingly is from Matthew chapter 11. And here we go again. It's yeah, the yeah. same passage of scripture. And I'm only just to read the first part of it. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, I, I think it's fascinating that Jesus didn't say when we come to him weary and burdened, he would give us more to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's the new King Jim version, right? right. That's the, uh, the new King John. Yeah, that's, that's you got to be careful. That's the workaholic version of the Bible, right? Yeah, very um, enough. And, and, and so Jesus, when we're tired, when we're, when we're you know, worn out, he invites us to pivot. Yeah. To, to rest. And so the question is, how do we work hard? How do we fulfill our calling without running ourselves yeah. into the ground? Yeah. And, and I think part of the answer to that is we learn how to pivot. Yeah. And I didn't know how to do that, Jim, as a young lead pastor. I, I just didn't know how. And so I'd like us to maybe talk about, uh, I actually have four ideas here that will help a, a young leader, whether you're a pastor or you're a business leader. By the way, business leaders suffer a rate of depression. It's not as high as pastors, but mm. it's it's like 30 plus percent. So yes. it's it's up there. Right. Um, how do we get started with this whole idea of pivoting? So that's kind of what I'd like us yeah, to good. work through here. Good. So here's the first one. Um, and this might make you mad. But oh, well, here we go. <laughs> and that is clock out at a reasonable time yeah. every day. The discipline of it, right? Correct. That, that not when life goes back to normal, not after Easter, not after the big outreach, after the big controversy. Right. Predictably, we, we are, our families can depend upon us being at home at, at this predetermined, agreed upon, budgeted, scheduled time. Right. And I understand that pastoral ministry, especially, there are... During the week, there are nighttime responsibilities. Sure. I get that. I understand that. But here's where here's where I have an issue is when every night is a work night. Yeah. But every night, even though I don't have an event at church, I'm working on email. I'm working on sermon prep. I'm I'm answering emails or, or I'm answering phone calls at 930 uh, yeah. at night uh, that aren't emergencies that could wait until the next day. Yeah. You know, one of the most fascinating scriptures in the entire Bible for me is all the way in Genesis, right at the beginning, Genesis chapter one, verse 
five and it says, and then there was evening and then there was morning mm -hmm. the first day. And, and that sequence is repeated yeah. six times yeah. uh, within the first two chapters of, of Genesis. And it speaks to daily stopping and starting points. Yeah. So God in the middle of his creative uh, release of power was releasing that during a certain frame of time and, and God's outside of time. I understand that, but we are in time right right, right now. Just an example. Yeah. And then there was this stopping point and then it started the next day and then there was a stopping point. Yeah. You know, if you're tired after a solid day's work, is it possible that that's God's divine stop signal to you? Sure it is. Yeah. That it's time to pivot, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, I know a lot of pastors love what they do, but just because you love what you do doesn't mean um, you're not expending energy. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about this first one, Jim? Because it's such I'm, a challenge. I'm laughing because I, I a couple of weeks ago went and taught the, the recruiting to releasing seminar. Yes. And afterwards came back and you being a good friend and, and doing what you do and the role you play in my life and the lives of many. He said, how are you? I said, man, I'm just really tired. He said, well, well, tell me about that. Like, what were you tired? I said, well, I, by the time we told it up, I'd preached 11 times in eight days, changed time zones twice, and I hadn't slept in my bed in, in, in eight days. Mm -hmm. and, it, and as I said it out loud, I'm like, well, of course I'm tired. I, you know what? I don't know what I was thinking when, you know, this is what we do. This is what you and I do all the time. Right. I don't know what I was thinking when I set up that schedule. And, and so I took, I came back to a week of vacation Bible school. So every night of last week was filled with hundreds of kids and adults and parents. And, and so I took the last two days off because I recognize that I have not kept promises um, to my grandchildren, uh, to myself, to my God, to my wife. And yeah. so the last two days I had one meeting and it was over lunch with friends um, in the last two days, just to, just to kind of double the Sabbath because I hadn't had one in two weeks. And it's yeah. remarkable. My, my creative self is alive again. Yeah. My, uh, my dreaming is, is on, you know, I'm, I'm going on a date with my wife because I feel like it, not because it's a scheduled mandatory, you know what I mean? So yeah, we, this is, I, I think checking out being reasonable with what I can and can't do what I am and what I'm not, yeah. uh, and not trying to be more than what, I mean, God's never going to give us grace to be anything that he didn't create us to do. There's only grace right. um, on what he's created us to do. And part of that grace is limitations. Adam and Eve That's had right. limitations. The, all creation has limitations and recognizing those and not living in disobedience to mandatory logical limitations right. uh, called rest, called refueling, called recreation. Yes. You're, you're fighting God <laughs> and, and, there's certain things God will always, always, always bless and certain things God will never, never, never bless. So once you figure out like we're going to today, like having that reasonable time on a regular basis where everybody can count on you being home. Right. Is a big and, deal. and that really kind of leads to the second one. You nice segue into this one. And, and the second uh, idea is protecting your weekly day off. Please, please, um, please. You know, after completing the work of creation, God rested on the seventh day. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe I think you know that. Um, and God didn't rest because he was like wiped out. You know, like yeah. he says, I, I'm just fatigued. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't handle it. No, he did it, I believe, to set an example for us ambitious, ambitious humans. 
Yes. Um, and so this weekly, I, I look at taking a day off every week as a reset. Yeah. Like this weekly reset. And it, it was established at the beginning of time before even the old covenant was established. It's just this eternal principle. And it's highlighted over and over and over again throughout the entire Bible. And, yeah. you know, if we want to become good pivoters, hitting that weekly reset button of a day off really, really helps. Now, yeah. you made a great point earlier. You said, well, I was on the road, you know, and I was for eight days and you yeah. didn't get probably didn't get a day off during that week. But you made up for it. You know, you're, yeah. you're smart enough and you're wise enough and you're obedient enough. Maybe that's what it is more than anything else. It's just obedience, right? Yeah. To say, look, I pushed really hard. I need an extra day to recalibrate. Yeah. Um, I, I posted, I think that posted this this morning. Um, well, actually, with, by the time our listeners <laughs> hear this, it'll be two weeks, you know, two weeks ago. That I posted this, protect your day off like your life depends on it. Because in many ways, it does. It does. Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah. So, uh, and I get so much pushback on this, Jim. I know. I know. Well, and I think part of it is, like you say, we love what we do and yep. the demands of people never end. But I think that's where you have to say, it's funny how when pastors preach on tithing, they do believe that God will bless the 90% more than if you kept the 100%. Right. But when it comes to taking a day off, we don't believe God will bless the six days as if we worked eight days, right? It's the same principle, but I, but I, I think it, for me, it exposes a certain hypocrisy where I'm, I'm bending solid laws. I'm bending gravity, if you will. I'm trying to bend the law of thermodynamics. I'm trying to, you know, the, the law of, of uh, honoring God with a percentage so he can bless the whole. Right. I, I have no problem preaching one and believing it. Uh, and I see the fruit of that as people begin to tithe. And you know what I mean? Yeah, I just I mean, I'm, I'm being maybe a little too transparent, but if, if our people tithe like we Sabbathed, the church would be bankrupt. Yep. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. And I've used that analogy uh, many, many times over the last years. It's, it's yeah. and so and that leads to the third idea here, Jim, about pivoting, and that is walking by faith. Yeah. Look, pastoring is a faith venture. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, I just read this a few days ago, we're told that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yeah. And, and, and it requires faith to pivot. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it means that I have to believe that God is minding the store yes. when I clock out for the day. Yeah. That, that he's still working when I take my day off. And and it requires a tremendous amount of faith. Here's the fourth one real quick. And that is learning how to play. I'll tell you what, man, many leaders, and I was one of them, Jim, and I still have to, I need to have people in my life to tell me to play. But have, many leaders have forgotten how to play. Yeah. And how to stop for moments to, to enjoy life, to have fun, uh, to laugh, uh, Jim, when I was in the fight of my life with uh, struggling with suicidal depression, my father-in-law, Jim, told me, John, you need a distraction <laughs> in your life. Yeah. And essentially what he was telling me was, John, you need to learn how to pivot away from your ministry. Yeah. Um, 
you know, at that time that he told me that I was an ambitious workaholic lead pastor, the father of four young boys. And Jim, I had no clue how to pivot from all that responsibility for moments to catch my breath. And my my father-in-law helped me learn the value of healthy distraction. I was listening to a pastor I respect in Minneapolis today, Rob Ketterling, a message that he, he spoke at a conference recently. And he, he said something that when he became a pastor, his dad took him out and said to a sporting goods store and said, are we buying golf clubs or fishing poles? He's like, what do you, what do you mean? He said, well, everybody I know that's made it in ministry, either golfs or fishes. They're, they that's made it like long-term or that survived pastoral ministry is either golf or fish. There must be something about those two things. So you don't do either one of those. You, you're a workaholic. So which one will it be, golf or fishing? And he said, you said golf. So he bought him a set of clubs. He said, okay, now you're a pastor. <laughs> and uh, he took up golfing. But again, a father's wisdom, right? We talked about Second Timothy, where Paul's talking to Timothy and saying, this is the way you live your life. We, that, that, that which takes decades to observe can be taught in a moment if we'll listen. And I think that's what you're doing now. For decades, you've observed and suffered from Correct. not observing and helped hundreds of people that have suffered from not observing. And you're saying to them, listen, you, you can learn the easy way or the hard way, the old Midas commercial, right? You can pay me now, or you can pay me later, but sooner or later, this thing breaks if you don't maintain it. So right. it's, I, I hope people aren't saying this like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's like, no, stop, stop and listen to what John is saying, because in essence, what we're doing right now is exercising what it takes to, to be happily married for life to raise kids that love the Lord and don't hate the church, right? to, uh, to be sane, to live a long, healthy life, to not, to not lay on your death by going, that was it. I, I, I never enjoyed my children and my grandchildren or my marriage, or it's, I, it, it can appear to be redundant and simple. I assure you, it is not. This is right. foundational. God it put is. this in the book of Genesis. It's foundational. It is right. absolutely first mentions truth. Yeah, you know, Jim, when I talk to pastors uh, and even business leaders, and we have a few business leader clients yeah. that they need to learn how to play again. Um, I, I've had them tell me who has time for such trivial pursuit. And, you know, that might sound heroic or noble, but here's the truth. And, and I tell them this, look, if you'll learn how to play a little bit, it'll actually help you be more productive yes. at work. And that's just that's not just my opinion. There's science behind that. Yeah. That when I learn how to play, it frees my creative uh, thinking. Yeah. It, it helps me get unstuck many, many times. Yeah. And, and, and not, only, um, not only does that help me, when I learn how to play, I'm more fun to be around. Yeah. People enjoy being around me more. So, yeah. so why does this matter? You know, I, I always like to try to ask that question, you know, like the who cares question. Or yeah, who, right. Yeah. Why does pivoting matter. Uh, because when we fail to pivot, the most important disciples in our life, our spouse and our children suffer. Yeah. You know, when we fail to pivot, I, and this scares the, the liver out of me, yeah. when we fail to pivot, we're at risk of developing an overinflated sense of importance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, this thing is all on my shoulders. This all depends on me. No, it doesn't. Yeah. I want, I want you to hear that today. It does not. If it does, if you feel that way, you're in dangerous, you're, you're operating in dangerous territory. 
you know, when we pivot, when we learn how to pivot, Jim, our life gets better on many levels, on multiple yeah. levels. And so if we just want to encourage you today uh, to learn this most important leadership skill, that yeah. art yeah. of pivoting, and I can't give you a formula for it. I've just, we've just painted in broad brushstrokes, right? Uh, today, Jim, I didn't say quit at five o'clock, yeah. but it has to be reasonable, right? Yeah. I didn't say you're going to get a day off every week. But when you miss days off, you, you, you have to account for that. You have to make up for that. Yeah. Um, and it will help you. You know, the more you learn how to do this, the more you're going to enjoy what you're doing and the better the chances you'll actually be able to finish the race God's called yeah. you to run. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, I did a funeral a few years ago for a man who built a, a multi-billion dollar company that his son had taken even to another level and went public on the stock exchange. At the funeral, I'm, I'm, you know, the people that were gathered there was a who's who of politicians and business leaders. And I was really pleasantly surprised that the stories, we opened the floor, who has a story? No one talked about business. They all talked about skiing and being on the lake and camping in grandpa's backyard. And I, I think what you're trying to say to us, John, is there are certain things that are actually more valuable and therefore more lasting and therefore more powerful than, than just the numbers that we can count and the dollars right. and the square feet and the staff and the, I've never known anybody. I remember Jack Hayford said this years ago, he said, your ministry will never be large enough to satisfy you. It'll only be big enough to destroy you. And right. you have to be wise enough to know when enough is enough. And right. that doesn't mean we stop winning souls, but we, we have to pivot and come home. And whoever's won at the end of that day is one. And whoever's not, that's tomorrow's assignment. That's right. Thank you so much for sharing this. I love this. We should go golfing sometime. Do you golf? Yeah, I do. And I would love to do that. You go, do you golf well? No. Are you a betting man? Because I'm terrible too. So that, that makes it that makes it fair. Actually, I got my first par. I, I, I got an even par the other day. 18th hole, final one. I putted through the windmill into the clown's mouth. I want a free ice cream. I, I love golf. Yeah. So, well, thank you everybody for joining us today on, uh, on the, this podcast. It's such a, such a great topic. And I hope that this isn't the end of it for, for our listeners. I hope that you have this conversation now with your wife, with your staff, with your friends, with the people you haven't been golfing with in three years because you got too busy. Um, I, love, I love what you taught today, John. It's, it's so useful in my life and in the lives of others. So if someone said, it's impossible, I can't do it, you don't understand I would really recommend that they have a conversation further with you. How would they go about having that conversation? Yeah, the best way to do that is go to our website, convergecoach.com, and click on the Contact Us uh, link, and it will open up a form, and you can kind of share a little bit what's going on with you. And that um, entitles you to a free 30-minute conversation with us. And uh, we may be able to help you, and if we can't help you, we'll put you in touch with somebody who can. And, and, and to, to quote Schwartz from my favorite movie, The Christmas Story, I triple dog dare you to take that step. I triple dog dare you. Uh, it's life changing. I took it years ago. It's, it's changed the trajectory of my life. So I, I, I'm not selling a product. I, I believe in this message. And it's, it's had a drastic, wonderful, beautiful effect on me. So God bless you, our dear listeners. Please, please, please uh, take good care of yourself, of your walk with God, of your families. Um, and then from that foundation, take care of God's people and the lost. And uh, we encourage you to join us again next week as we continue together to lead from the life.